Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 25-8 Sportscast, episode 49. Almost at 50, the big 5-0. Um, alongside me today, as always, is Jet, unfortunately. But more importantly, I'm your host, Tommy Fink. Um, Jet, go ahead and introduce yourself really quickly. Yeah, Super Jet, quickly. Like, Jet, Chet, Jeff. I mean, I've been given a bunch of names over this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, like Tommy said, almost at episode 50. If and when we get to episode 50, I mean, due to our inconsistent recording schedule, that is to be determined. But... I mean, as long as we're, you know, keep getting episodes out when we can. I know Tommy's busy, busy schedule with everything going on in his life that it's it's hard to sometimes get to get to a recording. But I think we're we're back for two solid shows a week, Tuesday, Thursday recording times, and probably Wednesday, Friday um, episode times. So, yeah. <laughs> As Tommy, uh, flip that phone over, maybe rewind a little bit, get a get a glimpse of what we're talking about there. But excited to be here. Maybe I made that intro a little bit longer than you wanted, but another exciting show in store. Yeah, a uh, lot in store for you here. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo deciding to head back to San Fran. Well, technically stay in San Fran. We're going to talk briefly about the Brian Robinson. We're also going to talk briefly about roster cuts briefly about the Mets and Dodgers series underway because that is a huge series. This might can determine, um, you know, who we see as the big dog in the NL coming out of this series. And then we're going to talk about one player for each division in the NFL that is primed for a breakout season this year. And then obviously word of the day. So WOTD is back. A little surprise segment. Okay. Jet and I, well, not Jet. I mean, this is a surprise to Jet as well. I have Madden 23 simming a game, uh, Colts versus Dolphins. Currently, it is 10-10 with six minutes left in the second quarter. You know, we'll get we'll give more updates as, as they come in. But uh, just just a little bragging rights for me since my Colts don't play the Dolphins um, this year. But you know, this can be. This could be the one time they play. And hey, the I mean, it could be it could be an AFC Championship preview. So, <laughs> yeah, could probably not be, but it, it's it's possible. You never know. Tua could learn how to throw a little bit harder and grow the a middle school quarterback prospect. But Spe- you know. I mean, speaking of two, I know we said we're talking about breakout <laughs> players, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing who potentially uh, my breakout is for the AFCs, but I don't want to give any spoilers just yet. All right. Well, let's start with Jimmy G, Jeff. Yeah. Because, or wait, did you have a This Day in Sports History plan for us? No, for, for, for next episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit then. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy G, kind of surprising, but for me, honestly – it makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Um, just just quickly, details of the deal. It includes a no-trade clause, so he, he wanted to stay there. They want him to stay there. Um, a restructured one-year deal uh, worth $6.5 million. Yeah. Now, when I first saw this... Too. Yeah, when I first, when I first saw this... I was like, you know, this, this makes a lot of sense because this roster is extremely too talented to ride on a rookie quarterback. Some teams kind of put the quarterback in and then fill in the pieces. This team kind of has the pieces filled in, but they're hoping that the quarterback can take them to the promised land. When Jimmy has – he's shown he can get to the show – and he's shown that he can get super close to the show in different years. Um, to me, this is kind of a situation where it seems like, you know, we're going to give – obviously, Trey Lance is starting this year. If he goes out and stinks it up for four weeks, um, I would not be surprised at all if he's he's riding the bench for the rest of the season because, like I said, the rest of this roster is just way too talented to put it all in the hands of one person. And that's – that's why the deal makes sense to me. It makes yeah. sense for both parties because Garoppolo has a chance to play. Um, he got what he wanted, obviously, because he signed the deal. So, 
I'm curious. I mean, this is this is kind of a, a debate that I've been, you know, thinking about on my own as far as what the 49ers were actually thinking in, in bringing him back and Jimmy G agreeing to be brought back. Do you think it has more to do with the fact that the 49ers just cannot find a destination to trade him? Because honestly, the QB market dried up pretty quickly and it didn't leave many opportunities for Jimmy G to go to. And and to go along with that, he had originally had the $24.2 million contract, which would have been a very tough contract to sell to any team. But do you think it's more of a matter that the 49ers weren't able to find a partner for him or a suitor for him? Or is it possible that they still don't have hundred percent trust in Trey Lance. Well, I think I think that they kind of told us that it was the Trey Lance thing as soon as they made uh, included in their trade clause, because like it would make perfect sense to restructure the deal with the money, and then maybe five weeks from now, because it's inevitable, a team's quarterback will get hurt, um, and this would be like a perfect opportunity where when Lamar Jackson went down last year, the Ravens look at their team and say we're way too good to tank the rest of the year. Maybe we can take a shot at Garoppolo um, or, I mean, any team, really. It could happen to any team, but the no-trade clause is a head-scratcher and, and kind of proves to me that they weren't completely sold on Lance through training camp and the preseason. It's just really interesting because I saw a tweet today um, about quarterbacks that have been in similar situations over the years, and some of the names that are brought up in that tweet, when Dak Prescott was drafted and Tony Romo was still there, we all know that Tony Romo ended up, you know, um, not being on that team after Dak Prescott had an outstanding preseason and the rest is history. Right. And then the same situation with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. Once Patrick Mahomes had that year to sit under Alex Smith, they decided to part ways with Alex Smith. And we know the rest is history there too. But it was a different right. story here with Trey Lance. They obviously, they let him sit under Jimmy Garoppolo the whole year. But now obviously now with Jimmy Garoppolo back, um, I think it just comes down to the fact that like you mentioned, the 49ers have too talented of a team to let it go to waste just because of some poor quarterback play. If Trey Lance struggles at any point in the season, I, I mean, I think his leash is going to be very long over the course of the year. But if they get towards the end of the season and, and they, you know, maybe are in a rough stretch or maybe they need a spark, not to say Jimmy G is going to provide an unbelievable spark, but we know we know all it really has done about his career is win games. Right. And if that's what the 49ers need at that point in the season and they're in the playoff chase and, you know, they trust Jimmy G. Jimmy G knows the offense and nothing's changed in regards to the system. I mean, I don't think anybody would be surprised to see Jimmy G be the starter, you know, towards the tail end of the season. No, yeah, I definitely wouldn't. And kind of an interesting point that you brought up about Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, um, Romo and Dak. The same thing really can be said about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa, as soon as Tua was able-bodied and, and Fitzpatrick went down with an injury, I mean, the rest is history. This Miami Dolphins team, playoffs after playoffs. Well, if we're being honest here, I, I think with, with, with the fact that, you know, Brian Flores and the Dolphins kept Brian Fitz, Fitzpatrick a lot, around for so long and used him as a starter for so long, it's obvious, you know, they did not full trust in him. And I think that's a very similar situation to Trey Lance um, in, in, in San Francisco this year. But let, let me let me ask you this now. So I just talked about the possibility of Jimmy G starting at some point in the season. My first question would be, do you think Trey Lance starts the full season? And if not, at what point do you think Jimmy G uh, gets his starting job back? And do you think he holds on to that starting job? Well, it's hard to it's hard to say, but if if Trey Lance is playing below the level of Jimmy Garoppolo throughout the whole season, I would say then by week six we see Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you need he plays five weeks really under par, under even what an average quarterback would be playing? Yeah, I think that that's when we see. Well, Jimmy G's do you base this something off like as far as the quarterback? Say Trey Lance is playing awfully, but they're winning somehow, and maybe right. it's because of their defense. And what if, you know, Trey Lance is playing really well, but the team is not winning? So what do you, you know, do you base it off of the fact, say they're four and five through nine games and, you know, the team is just, you know, good at some points and really bad at some points. Is that the type of situation where potentially you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo or is there something that needs to be a little bit more extreme? Say they go on like a four or five game losing streak and they just need to change something up. 
Yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with the team as much as just how Lance is playing because the team could go 3-0 and winning from a special teams touchdown yeah. and pick sixes and a scoop and score. Um, but the quarterback could have a 55 percentage, two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, and four picks through three weeks. Right. And then it's kind of like, well, should we continue to roll these dice mm-hmm. or realize how well the rest of our team is playing? And if we could bring our quarterback up to par, how good we'd be? Because honestly, like, I, like I've said before, I think every team has a certain window of success. And you got to kind of look at like the stars on the team, George Kittle. Right. Fred Warner, Igbosa, how many more years of really superstar production do they have left in the tank? And that's up to uh, upper management, middle management, coaching, right. whether they're willing to roll the dice on a young, unpolished quarterback. And I think I think it comes down to nothing but his his play. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Did you think the other – did you think the opposite or – no, I, I agree. I was just curious to see, you know, yeah. where, where you stood on this. I think, you know, the like like I just said before, the leash for Trey Lance is going to be very long because, I mean, obviously, as far as like age difference, I mean, Trey Lance is in his is going into his second year. Not, even, I mean, really his full his first full year, but they want to see what they have with him. And if he's not the answer, they're going to have to, you know, look look towards another option. But they are going to give him every chance possible so they know what to do in twenty twenty three. Yeah. Um, you ready to move on to some Brian Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. Right, this go is... ahead and walk us, walk us, walk everybody through this. Real yeah. Quick. Really, really scary uh, situation yeah. that happened with Washington Commanders. Rookie running back Brian Robinson, who's out of the University of Alabama, um, he was involved in, it, it seems like it was an, an armed robbery attempt, um, a carjacking that these two uh, criminals. Um, I guess we're, you know, just trying to rob Brian Robinson and, you know, get whatever his valuables. And he ended up getting shot twice. And, you know, miraculously, not only is he fine, but now he's already out of the hospital. And the commanders are saying that there's a very good chance that he's able to suit up at some point during the season, which is surprising. Like you would think with this type of, um, incident, you think the recovery time would be, you know, a little bit more lengthy than than what we're expecting. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to play week one because I don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen because he's he is going to need some time. Um, but it's remarkable that he's out of the hospital already. That you know he's already, I mean, he's in stable condition, and I mean, it wasn't a life threatening injury, which is which is you know good. I and mean, this is a guy that was looking like he was potentially going to be the early down running back after, you know, standing out in training camp and in preseason after Antonio Gibson. It just is not the same player that the the commanders initially drafted. So, I mean, it's looking like to start the season, it's going to be the running back room of Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Jared Patterson, and, you know, hopefully Brian Robinson's able to make an impact at some point, you know, towards the tail end of the season because, they I mean, they had, you know, a ton of high expectations for him. As far as the the actual incident goes, um, it seems like they're still trying to find the people that um, were involved in this armed robbery. I think the the search is on, and I think they identified some suspects, but you know that's a whole investigation going underway. But I think we both can agree that you know as at least he's you know safe and he he's not in in any danger of um, a life threatening injury. But I don't know what, anything else you want to add on to it. No, I mean it's just it's scary stuff, Jeff. Yeah. It's uh, nothing, nothing really to add. Just trying to make people aware that you might not necessarily have the ESPN app um, or any other kind of apps on your phone. But this is just our shout out to him. Glad he's doing all right. And uh, let's move on to some surprising roster cuts, Jet. Yes. A number of names that I am confused by. Firstly, my my biggest confusion comes in two running backs, Sony Michelle and Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack being cut is unbelievably confusing to me because that's a running back room of Rex Burkhead and Damian Pierce now. And Rex Burkhead, you know, he's in his 30s. He's not a great running back. Nobody ever told told me he was. No one ever told him he was. Um, and Damian Pierce, 
they must really like what they see out of him. But then you turn around and realize that they're not naming him the starter. And they're saying that it's going to be by committee. And so this, to me, this just means Marlon Mack, this is the first real, real look at him after the Achilles tear. And he just must not be the same runner because he was, he was, a, I mean, he was a top 20 running back on the Colts when he was starting. I mean, 20, I know isn't saying much, but it's more than getting cut by, yeah. by a 53 man roster. Um, and then same thing for Sony Michelle. He's also had a, a number of, of decent years in his career and he got cut and, you know, you, how long are he Mostert's going to be healthy and really Chase Edmonds can also be thrown on the list of who knows how long he'll be healthy. Yeah. As far as the, the Marlon Mack one, I don't think I'm necessarily confused by, it, but it definitely is a little bit surprising considering this Texans team where we're looking at and it's not like they had a, a clear number one, but yes, I think a lot of it has to definitely do with Damian Pierce and his emergence throughout the preseason. I think, when it's all said and done, he is going to be the number one running back on this team, and I think he's going to flourish in that role. But another thing to look at is Royce Freeman, who's currently the fourth fourth string running back on this team, outplayed uh, Marlon Mack all throughout the preseason. And, and being the running back that Royce Freeman is, I mean, that's not good as it is, and that didn't bode well in Marlon Mack's chances at making the roster. Um, he also... R.A. Agunbowale made the roster over Marlon Mack as well, which kind of points to the fact that we don't really see guys come off of an Achilles injury and ever be the same running back that they once were. And I think that's one of the situations where Marlon Mack just, just isn't the same player that he once was on, on those Indianapolis Colts. And probably, I mean, I'm sure he'll get another chance, but will what he will do with that chance is, is probably, you know, up in the air. Um, Which is other, why I will say one thing to, yeah. to to go with your point. Why is Cam Akers being drafted in the third round of fantasy drafts this year? Because I mean, he's going to get a bunch of volume, and that that's that we saw him get a bunch of volume. And I, I'm not he's not someone I'm drafting either at that point, considering the history we have. But that also brings up another point about James Robinson, who's someone that oh, but he's fine. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's the whole thing with like Travis Etienne is why I'm so high on him. It's just history tells us that guys coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah, I mean, Dante Foreman is an example that has returned and has had some production, but there are very few and far in between as far as getting back to previous production. But I don't want to get too off, off topic. I was just about to talk about my man, Sexy Rexy Burkhead. Who the Houston Texans? I the reason that he's still on this roster, I don't, I don't necessarily believe he belongs on a on an NFL roster. But the Houston Texans, for some reason, are just infatuated with the guy, and they want to give him a ton of snaps. And I, I think they're going to continue to do so. I don't think Damian Pierce is slated to have a workhorse type role. I think Rex Burkhead's going to get plenty of work, um, in the receiving game, but. This is, I think, you know, Damian Pierce's backfield as far as the the number one, and then the rest will will fall out and sort out. But I also wanted to talk about the Sony Michelle thing because that was something I was really surprised about. Considering this Dolphins team doesn't have a clear goal on running back at the moment, and it and it kind of worries me because Chase Edmonds doesn't fit that mold of being a goal on running back, and I think what's going to end up happening is, you know. Raheem Mostert obviously has had his issues staying healthy, and he's probably going to be the guy that gets used. Um, probably in the early downs, Chase Edmonds is, is probably going to be also used in the early downs, but he is going to be the pass-catching running back in this offense. Um, how the Dolphins are going to approach the goal-on situation, I think they're going to give Chase Edmonds the first crack at things, which is not ideal. Um, but again, we also have a fullback in Alec Ingold, who not, not necessarily is going to get like the the within 10 yards, but obviously within two to five yards. I mean, I think that's also a possibility, but I think someone Michelle is going to get scooped up by another team very shortly. Yeah. And that can be said for a lot of these guys that are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to name a few guys. You can jump in whenever Kellen Mond was cut by the Vikings, yeah. who we thought was a clear cut second string quarterback. Um, another name that surprised me was Cooper Rush, obviously, because, I mean, you just – you don't like seeing stuff like that because he's so young and he kind of showed a few flashes when Dak was out last year. But um, he was confusing to me. Logan Ryan, yeah. who's a big name that was cut. 
you can also talk about Taco Charlton. And one of the biggest ones to me, who I can't find his name, is it Weatherford or Leather? Alex, Alex, Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood. Leatherwood. Yeah, I mean, first-round pick. Yeah. First-round pick, offensive lineman, player, and he missed the 53-man roster. I have a feeling we're going to see something come out about uh, he wasn't working or the coaches wasn't working. Yeah. Something wasn't working there because there's no way that just based off of play – he couldn't make a 53-man roster as a first-round offensive lineman. I, I, after one year, after one year, it's, it's incredibly rare to see something like that. Yeah, um, I think obviously being that a new regime is coming into the fold with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler replacing Mike Mayock and John Gruden, being that this was their selection. I mean, a lot of people didn't even think Alex Leatherwood was going to be a first-round pick in 2021, and then he ended up man. being a first-round pick. And being that a lot of people didn't grade him out as high, and this is a new regime, I just think I, I think he still should have made the 53-man roster. I don't know how you could have even a backup offensive lineman that is better than a guy that went to a school that produces great offensive linemen in Alabama. So definitely, I think the most surprising when you look at the draft capital that was used to spend on him, even if it wasn't fully accurate. Um, as far as the Cooper Russian, that's that's interesting because currently. The Dallas Cowboys do not have a yeah. backup quarterback Will on Greer their roster. As well. Yeah. Will is cut as well, which is crazy. Which and Incredibly stupid, especially with the crazy, crazily injury-prone quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, it, no doubt about it. Um, I read somewhere that it's possible that after the Cowboys figure out the rest of their roster, they're either going to bring back Cooper Rush or they're going to maybe – they're maybe they're eyeing another backup quarterback that – either is currently on waivers or um, had just gotten cut. Maybe they like Kellen Mond. Like, we, we don't even know. Yeah, so right. that, that was that was something um, that was, was very interesting. I think another one which we didn't talk about, I mean, maybe, maybe it's not um, as big. I mean, I think it is O.J. Howard of the Buffalo Bills. O.J. Howard, crazy. Guy with first-round first uh, pedigree as well, and – he got beat out by Quentin Morris and Tommy Sweeney for a backup job behind Dawson yeah. Knox. And we know how talented Who's Sweeney. Sweeney's yeah. played. He's not he's not a stranger to the NFL and he's not great. Right. And that's the thing. We know how talented OJ Howard is, just with injuries and really not getting as much of an opportunity as he and really not maximizing his opportunity per se. Um I think he's someone that's going to be scooped up because there's plenty of teams that could use another tight end. So that yeah. that one also, also stood out to me. Josh Rosen, Josh Gordon, yeah, Miss um, Webb, C.J. Gardner, Johnson, Jaquiski Tart. Uh, who else is an, an interesting name? Camara, Camara, Sam Camara, um, <laughs> <laughs> the Bears quarterback. Or what position is this guy even? He led in quarterback pressures during preseason. Um, Sam Kamara. Not Alvin <laughs> Kamara, but it's it's close. And a, lot, I, a lot of guys. I think – um, I mean, I don't know if you have any guys off the top of your head, but there's also guys – there's also some guys that I want to talk about that weren't cut that I thought potentially could get cut. And I think the first one for me is Ronald Jones – on the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a backfield that's a little bit messy. You got CEH, Isaiah Pacheco, the, the rookie who's been uh, getting a lot of hype, and then Jarek McKinnon as well. Um, looks like the Chiefs are going to carry four running backs. I think this move, I mean, you're, you're paying Ronald Jones a decent sum of money to be a, a third-string running back, and they obviously felt that he showed enough throughout the preseason and in training camp, and I think also I'm going to have to do with the fact that um, – that uh, what's his name? The uh, guy just got placed on IR for the Chiefs. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but Derek Gore, who was like oh, the yeah, yeah. fifth fifth string running back, got uh, placed on IR, which I think opened the door for Ronald Jones. Um, so I, I think that was a little bit surprising that he wasn't cut. And while we're on the subject, there is a number of NFL free agents that are big names that. Never found a home this offseason. You look at Odell Beckham Jr., yeah. Antonio Brown, who you don't really know the, the status of him and his well-being. Eric Fisher, Kenyon Drake, Landon Collins. Kenyon Drake, signed with, Kenyon Drake just signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah. One. 
Okay, this is this list is a little bit out of date. Cole Beasley, though, T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, Jason Peters, who is 40 years old, but uh, <laughs> Eric Flowers, Xavier Rhodes. Eric Flowers, Eric Flowers signed with the Dolphins. Okay, Jason Pierre-Paul, Linval Joseph, Richard Sherman, who's done. Cam Newton, who's probably done as well. Um, but still, a lot of names on here. Who's only thirty years old? Um, I didn't mean I didn't mean Eric Flowers. It, it was Trey Flowers. That's that. Okay. That was yeah. My, my Pierre Desir, who had a few good years in Indy. That's the only reason I know his name. AJ Boye, who was once a prolific cornerback, opposite of uh, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Dante Hightower. A lot of names. Jet. I mean, I'm looking at this team, and I would have loved to have this team. Like we're talking about fantasy purposes, this team, this free agent grouping, yeah. as far as fantasy goes, like five years yeah. ago, this is as good yeah. as it would have gotten. Yeah, I mean, there's there's players that I could, I could, I could confidently say would make teams better. Oh yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. would 100 percent add at worst wide receiver depth, but we saw just just. La- the last NFL game played, he was very good in. Um, Eric Fisher, who's probably just too expensive. That's why nobody wants him. Landon Collins, a 28-year-old safety who was once a, a real hard hitter. Nowhere to go. Will Fuller, who he's just been an idiot throughout his career. But there's a lot of names here, Jet. Sheldon Richardson, who I didn't even mention. Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers Eric- is the one that's on the – that got signed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you guys needed him bad. <laughs> just just for some depth, you know. No, he's, he's going to start. But... Yeah, sure he is. All right. The Mets and Dodgers series has just gotten underway, Jet. And it's, it's going exactly how I hoped it would. It is the top of the ninth inning with two outs, and the Mets are down by a run. If the Mets come back in the bottom of the ninth, we will update you and – You'll probably be notified by the sound of my head banging against my glass desk. Um, but yeah, that's a big series, Jet. This, this, like I said earlier in the show, could potentially show us who hate to say it might be the big dog in the league heading into the playoffs. Yeah, but uh, it, it, I mean, they're the top two teams right now. I know, I know, I know we both have, I believe, the Braves over the Mets in our latest power yeah. rankings, which I still agree with. I think on paper, um, the Braves have a little bit better of a team. I still think the Mets are going to win the division, but something that's just remarkable, and I don't think I realized this and just just until now, the Dodgers have a plus 286 run differential right now, which is absolutely Unreal. insane. Unreal. Um, it, it's ridiculous. What will they do with that come postseason time? I mean, that's that's a big question considering a lot of the injuries they're dealing with. But this is a big series for sure. I mean, not this series isn't going to change much as far as the the number one seed. I know the I mean the Dodgers what have a right. seven, uh, yeah nine yeah nine, nine nine game lead over the Mets right now. So I don't I think yeah it's possible, but probably unlikely. But nevertheless, this is this is an exciting series, and I don't know if uh, if you have the the probable starters the rest of the series. In front yeah, of I do. So we have well tonight's starters were we had Andrew Heaney and Taewon Walker, and like I said, the Dodgers are up by one in the ninth right now. This is probably the most winnable game for the Mets in this series because tomorrow. Tyler Anderson, Jacob Degrom. Obviously, oh. Degrom is is it's going to be a great game. Um, but Tyler Anderson is thirteen and two with a two six nine ERA. So Degrom's three and one five. He's due to have an IL stint here coming up soon. And then we head over to the final game of the series, and Clayton Kershaw versus Chris Bassett. Yeah, Bassett's been decent this year, but Kershaw is seven and three with a two six four. And like I said, maybe we would normally see Max Scherzer um, right after DeGrom. But due to the extended IL stints for both of these guys, the irritation is a bit out of whack. Clayton Kershaw is also coming off of an injury. So you say those stats like he's been pitching the past, like, four weeks. But he's coming off of a back injury. And 
I think, but you know, as a pitcher, I don't think that's necessarily an easy injury to come back No, from. but here's the thing. Tyler Anderson's going nine on Wednesday night, and then they're going to have a pen so, ready to So use. DeGrom will go nine, too. So what, what's the point? DeGrom's only got four four innings left in the arm. Think so? At least for at least until the next IL stint. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun series to watch. Obviously, uh, I would be watching, but Jet decides to you know hop on for late late night recordings every once and again. But well, excited to you know finally see who's who's the best, which Jet and I both already know. Um, uh-huh. Maybe to our Mets fans out there, they're gonna find out who is the best. Yes, absolutely. Well said. I mean, I can just say it better myself. <laughs> Let's give you an update really quick. Matt Ryan just threw a absolute dot of a sideline ball to none other than Mo Ali Cox. Can, um, look, go ahead. can you give us a, a stats update? I don't know if you have the ability to do that while the game's stats in update. progress. Okay. But uh, Let's see here. Yeah, if not, uh, you know, no worries at all. Okay, okay, here. Stats. Turn that you, turn that phone upside down, guys. Let's or on its side, not upside down. I don't down. think you're you're not really gonna be able to see it, but uh let's see player stats. Um all right, so Matt Ryan is 20. Can I can you hear me well when I'm turning around? Yes, yes. Okay, Matt Ryan is 22 of 32, 272 yards and no tutties. Tua Tago Vailoa is 14 of 23, 247 yards. Two touchdowns wow. and a pick. Oh. Um, so Tua is winning that battle. Matt Ryan has him by 8% completion percentage. Unfortunately, it looks like Tua having 250 yards on 14 completions may have hit like a, a deep sideline ball to Chase Edmonds or something. Uh, let's get to rushing. Jonathan Taylor, 14 carries, 68 yards, and that's it. Wow. Three broken tackles, uh, 35 yards after contact. So the offensive line is giving no push right now, along of 15 yards. But like I said, only nine, it's still nine minutes left in the third, guys. <laughs> so he'll get going. Raheem Mostert, 13 carries, 56 yards. Naeem Hines, four carries, 18 yards. <laughs> Matt Ryan, two carries, eight yards, and a touchdown, and a fumble. <laughs> Let's get some receiving. So no run, no run for uh, Chase Edmonds out of the backfield as far as no, rushing. No, nothing, nothing yet. Mo Ali Cox, seven receptions, eighty-four yards. Wow. Um, it's not so foreshadowing for what we're going to see this year. I, I hope so. Both tight ends lead in receiving in this game. Gasicki, four catches, sixty-three yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that's not accurate then. Uh, the other receiving touchdown was but to Cedric Wilson. Two catches, 17 yards, and a touchdown. Um, let's look at if we can see some defensive stats. So no no Pittman, Waddle, Tyreek? Nothing. nothing. I mean, they had catches, but nothing. Nothing, nothing crazy. Right home about, no. Uh, let's, let's sort it by sacks. Okay, Melvin Ingram has a sack. Jalen Phillips has a sack. Emmanuel Ogba has a sack. And that is it for sacks. So... What about um, Shaquille Leonard? Bobby Okereke has an interception. And then let's look at tackles for loss. Shaquille Leonard has two tackles for loss. Zaire does, it say, does it say Shaquille on Madden? Or does it, it does say... say Shaquille. Wow. Zaire Franklin has a tackle for loss. Grover Stewart has a tackle for loss. DeForest Buckner has a tackle for loss. Okay. Um, Jeremy Baker, 13 tackles so far through two quarters. Jerome Bobby Baker? O- Jerome, whatever it is. Yeah, it's, it's your player. You'll know him. Bobby Okariki with eight tackles. Alandon Roberts with seven. Stefan Moore with six. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's about what we're looking at okay. right now. Okay. Awesome. Let's, that. let's get that game simmed along. I'm excited to see what the end result is like. I think next time we're going to have to do maybe like eight-minute quarters. So that way we can actually be on the podcast for the ending of it. We'll make a TikTok uh, about it. We, yeah, we could yeah. we could do something. Yeah. Uh, all right. You ready to get to prime breakout candidates? Yes, I'm excited. Let's go ahead and start in the AFC South, Jeff. 
because we just talked about a man who I have written down, and that is Zaire Franklin. Obviously, you know, in the AFC South, I had to pick a Colts player. I'm sure Jet picked a Dolphins player in the East. Um, Zaire Franklin, who is more known for his special teams play, he is going to what I believe have a really, really good season this year. Um, I'm going to read his career stats to you quickly. So ESPN is really not smart. All right. So he was drafted in 2018, who, you know, you already know Colts killed that draft class. Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith. Pretty sure we also got Paris Campbell in that one. Um, throughout his career, he has 90 tackles. That's it. But, and he's never had an injury. He's played all every single game available in his whole career. Last year, towards the end, he became someone who we had to start at the linebacker position. And he got those reps because Leonard was out. And, and he just, he just looked, he looked really, really good. Obviously, you don't want to talk about the Raiders and Jags games, but before that, um, in each game, he's having over five tackles, a tackle for loss, and I just think that we're, we're going to be able to see a good amount from him. He's also good at punching the ball like Leonard, which you can imagine because he's, he's in the same room as Darius Leonard all day throughout the offseason and even more during the season. So I think Zaire Franklin is a good Good pick there. Six foot, 235 linebacker out of Syracuse. Okay, I like it. Um, I'm going to the Jacksonville Jaguars for my pick, and that pick is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for this team. I'm excited about what this season is going to bring for him. I don't think he could get much worse than what we saw in his rookie year. Really? Alex Pierce touchdown. Sorry. Okay. I, I, I think – I don't want to say this is a Tua-esque situation as far as rookie years go. But, I mean, it's very similar. I mean, Trevor Lawrence did not have much to work with, whether it's the the head coach in Urban Meyer, who was an absolute mess. No, you know, real, real, still doesn't, but no real weapons to, you know, work with. And it, it just, everything was out of his favor. The adjustment for him did not go as planned. But I think what we saw in that last game against the Indianapolis Colts, I think that's more of an indication of what's to come. I mean, that wasn't just an, an an ordinary game where nothing mattered. I mean, a lot a lot was on the line for this Colts team, and Trevor Lawrence stepped up and showed what he was capable of doing. I think we're going to see that this year. You're getting Travis Etienne back from injury. James Robinson will will be back and hopefully somewhat of himself at some point in this season. Um, obviously, no more DJ Chark, no more Lavisca Chenault, but now you brought in uh, Evan Ingram. You still have um, Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah, there's some. You also you brought in Kirk. Christian Kirk as well. That's right, Christian Kirk, who was a you know overpaid. Let's be honest, but they they brought in they brought in some pieces. Zay Jones as well. So there's a lot of things that Trevor Lawrence can work with. And yes, this team on paper is not good. A lot of question marks along the offensive line. A lot of question marks on the defense. But I think Trevor Lawrence has the talent. I mean, he was the, the pro as a prospect, he was highly regarded compared to, to Andrew Luck. And this is only a second year. It could take, it takes a while for quarterbacks to get to the potential that we expect from them. And I think Trevor Lawrence takes a nice step forward in a year two. Yeah. I'd like to pick, obviously I have a little bit of a grudge against him after last season, but I've come to the realization in the off season that it was a great thing that happened to the Colts last year okay. we would still have Carson once under center had we made the playoffs and it's a blessing in disguise Jed I picked the first division I'll let you pick the next one yeah let's go to the AFCs and okay. obviously I would have I you would think the answer is going to be Tua just because I've talked about him so much and but everyone knows that he's my breakout player right. not only for the Dolphins but for the year and I'm actually not even picking a player um on the Dolphins surprisingly wow. and and this is someone very close to Tommy's heart, Tommy's house. Gabriel Davis of the Buffalo okay. Bills. Um, all signs point to him having a an amazing um, season this year. Remember, he was drafted in 2020, fourth-round pick to the Buffalo Bills, 23 years old. 
Um, you look at this Buffalo Bills depth chart last year compared to this year. No more Emmanuel Sanders. No more Colby Lee. Gabe Davis now slots into the wide receiver two slot on an offense that is, if not the most high-powered offense in the league, one of the most high-powered offenses in the league. And that connection that he has with Josh Allen has been on display not only in this preseason, but in playoff games where he's absolutely exploded. We've seen plenty of flashes. Um, this is the type of thing where I kind of compare to Mike Williams before last year. Before last year, Mike Williams, he was getting um, double-digit touchdowns. He was getting an 1,000-yard season, but he wasn't getting all that, all of those numbers in one year. And I think not necessarily Gabe Davis. I don't think he's going to outproduce Stephon Diggs, but I think he's poised to um, break break through as far as uh, beat, beat his current um, career totals as far as what he's done from year to year. His career in receiving yards is only 599 yards. His career high in touchdowns is seven, and that came back in 2020 where he had 35 receptions on 62 targets. And I think he can easily be a 750-yard plus touch uh, plus yards guy. Honestly, if he's had seven touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds double-digit touchdowns either, considering the rapport that he has with Josh Allen. Third year for an NFL player, especially the wide receiver, that's when we see these guys break out. And this is one of um, this is one of I think two or three other wide receivers that I have on this list that are entering to their third year. Yeah, I like the pick a lot. I went really similar to you, and I went Isaiah McKenzie. Okay. I thought about him. I And this is why. This is his first year as a starting receiver on this roster, and my thinking is you look at Cole Beasley's production from the slot position on this team with Josh Allen um, playing behind two receivers who – are good, Emmanuel Sanders and obviously Stefan Diggs. But you could argue that Gabe Davis, what's to come from him, is going to be better than what we saw from Emmanuel Sanders towards the latter half of his career. And so you could really argue that Isaiah McKenzie is going to face – if he can outrun a linebacker, he'll be open. And that's that's kind of my thought process when I went with this pick. Obviously, Gabe Davis, I'm super high on this year. I think that he's a very clear candidate to be a breakout player. Um, And so I kind of went a little bit unorthodox. And I think that Isaiah McKenzie is going to be able to take it home for me. And, you know, you look at Cole Beasley's numbers where he had almost a thousand yards receiving last year. And that's playing with for quite a bit of it, like a broken knee. And I mean, this guy is tough as nails. And but but and he still he produced when he wasn't healthy. And I think that says a lot to do about the position in that offense um, more than it does about Cole Beasley because Cole Beasley, he's been in the league for countless years and never quite produced as well as he did with Buffalo except when his prime in Dallas. Does the fact that Jamison Crowder is still on this roster, who's a guy that's you know lived off of being yeah. in the slot all throughout his career, and, and they honestly, they brought him in to probably fill – some some of that Cole Beasley role. Do you think Jamison Crowder infringes more on Gabe Davis or Isaiah McKenzie? I think he infringes more on Isaiah McKenzie, but I still think that Isaiah McKenzie is going to get his reps, and I think he's going to easily have the best statistical year of his career, um, honestly, by quite a wide margin. As well. Okay. I like it. I'm gonna Let's head to the AFC North. And this is where I went with a super obvious one, Rashad Bateman. Uh-huh. This guy is the wide receiver one, option number two, on a high-powered offense with a top-10 quarterback on a team that was 8-1, and one, mowing teams down last year until that top-10 quarterback got injured. And now all of a sudden you throw this guy into that wide receiver one role. And obviously teams are going to game plan for Mark Andrews even though Bateman is going to be seeing cornerback ones most likely, I still think a lot of the help attention is going to be on Mark Andrews, and I think that's going to leave quite a bit of room for Rashad Bateman to have a breakout year this year. I like it a lot. Um, Definitely someone I was considering, but for me, I'm going to the Cleveland Browns on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going with Greg Newsome, the second, who was a first-round pick 
a year ago, and he had a great rookie season, but I think he could even take another step forward in year two. In year one, he had 37 total tackles, 33 solo tackles and four assists, nine passes defended, no interceptions, no sacks, no fumbles forced, no fumbles recovered. Um, pretty much the knock on Newsom a year ago was his lack of physicality, and he did have some issues tackling. And over this offseason, he has worked to improve that. He has worked to become a better tackler. He's added on some more weight. And I think with the receivers that he's going to have to face off against, especially in his division, I mean, one of those guys, Rashad Bateman, three of those guys in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. You still also have Deontay Johnson, George Pickens on the studio. So a lot of names that uh, Greg Newsom's going to have to deal with. And obviously we have Greg Ward, um, uh, Denzel Ward, my bad, as far as the number one corner on this team. But it's looking like Greg Newsom's going to slot in as the slot corner, and they want to see what he can do in that role. And I think he can easily take advantage of that and continue the success, build off the success he had in year one and transfer that over into year two. Yeah, I like that pick as well, Jet. You want to start us off in the AFC West? Yes. So for the AFC West, this is actually another defensive player um, that I picked, and I'm going to the Las Vegas Raiders at the safety position, Trevon Moerig, who was also um, – he was a second-round pick in 2021, a guy that had a very good rookie season, uh, 55 total tackles, one interception, uh, no fumbles forced, no fumbles recovered, no sacks. But for um, – this is a guy that I think is going to ascend – in, in this year, and he's playing alongside as far as safeties goes, obviously Jonathan Abram, and I think um, the Raiders, I mean, this this was a guy alongside uh, Javon Holland, who's on the Dolphins. Morig and Holland were the two safeties that were on most people's boards as far as who's one, who's number two, and Morig played all 17 games last year. He was tied for sixth in tackles, and Basically, everything that he possessed coming out of college, he translated that to the NFL field. And he held opposing quarterbacks to a quarterback rating of 92.5. Um, the way that I look at it, with a new defensive system coming in led by Patrick Graham, a guy that has you know made good safeties into great safeties, some of the names, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, Landon Collins, this is a good match for Trevon Murray to take his, another step forward. He has all the tools. He has all the support around him to make that happen, and I think it's a good bet to do so. I like that pick as well, Jed. I think you're killing it so far. I'm going to go with Mecole Hardman in the West. Okay. I like this pick a lot because, obviously, what's the big story of the Chiefs in the offseason? No more Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Mecole Hardman, I think, fits the profile – extraordinarily well now let me first give the case for him being able to break out because he is a name that people know he plays he's been on the Chiefs for three years he's played all three years um in his career he's played 49 games which is the most amount possible but he's only started 21 of these games 126 catches 1800 yards um 12 touchdowns throughout his career and his best mark was last year with 59 catches, 693 yards, two touchdowns, and, and that was the best year of his career by quite a quite a bit. Now, here's the thing for me. Tyreek Hill, on his pro day, measured in with these numbers, and this is what they're trying to replace. A 4340, 429-43. Um, he had a vertical of 40 inches, 68 inches tall, 185 pounds, broad jump of 129 inches. And then we go look at Miko Hardman, who I think is going to really fill in the role of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, they got Juju, but he's not your, he's not a fast receiver by any means. You can all honestly really easily argue he's one of the more slower wide receivers in the league. And here is what you get when you look at um, Miko Hardman. If I can now find it in football reference, doesn't sell me. Um, 
You know what? I can't find it, but I'm going to say I, I remember. It was a 4-3-40. His vertical wasn't quite as big. Um, he's a little bit heavier, a little bit stronger. He came away with more reps on the bench press, and he's about an inch taller. His vertical is shorter, but he's already got the inch in height. Same speed, and the Chiefs obviously like this guy. Ever since he's been drafted, he's been involved in every single game. In his career, he started five games his rookie year, eight and eight in the next two. And now that they are hurting for the wide receiver position, um, I think we see Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, and Mecole Hardman starting every game. And I think that Mecole Hardman will fill in that role that that is they're itching to fill. I get it. I I, I don't necessarily think he's going to break out because, I mean, he's been in this league for a good enough amount of time where, yeah, he has the speed, but besides that, he hasn't showed that he has what it takes to be a, a really good wide receiver in this league. And I think the Chiefs believe that by bringing in three guys in MVS, Juju, and Sky Moore in the draft. Obviously, I get what you're saying, the comparison to Tyreek Hill, yes, um, it's it's something to take into consideration. It's a definitely a possibility, but I think for me it's unlikely. He also has a ring, though. Can MVS, Juju, or Skymore say that? They cannot. Okay, so I mean, I think we we all really know how this is going to end up. I'm going to start us in the NFC Jet, and I'm going to get the biggest name on this list out of the way, and that's CD Lamb. Obviously, a ton of targets taken away from this Dallas offense. Zeke is another year older. Dalton Schultz is another one that I could have used for this. But I'm using CeeDee Lamb because I think he is going to take a leap this year that is similar to the leaps we see in other players. It's just going to be on a larger scale because he's already put together good seasons in his career. But I think CeeDee Lamb is going to absolutely explode this season because, like I said, he is now the clear-cut number one option where he is running alongside guys like James Washington, um, Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert, and who is the who's the other? Uh, Gallup. And, and this is to a point where they will need him to perform or the team won't perform, and I think he will be up to the task. And I think Dak is going to look his way so often that even if he plays terribly just by looking at the targets – you're going to think he had a, a, a massive season. And I think I, I like it a lot. And it, it continues that theme of guys in their third year, especially wide receivers, taking another step forward. And we know he has that connection with Dak and he has the talent. So that's a great breakout pick for sure. I'm going with another wide receiver in the same division on the Philadelphia Eagles, Devontae Smith, who had a really, really good rookie season. Another guy that was a first-round pick in 2021 had almost 1,000 yards on 64 receptions with five touchdowns. Um, I think bringing A.J. Brown into this offense is only going to help Devontae Smith. And we know, I mean, we both think that Jalen Hurts is going to take a step forward this year, and I think that only helps um, Devontae Smith's chances considering that Jalen Hurts won threw for very few yards, and two, threw for very few touchdowns. Obviously, a lot of that's going to go to A.J. Brown, but also a lot of that's going to go to Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is a perfect two on an NFL team, and I think he's going to show that in this season. Um, I think he's going to go over 1,000 yards, and honestly, he could, he could be somewhere between that seven, seven to ten uh, touchdown range. Yeah, that's a good pick as well. I think that Devon, like like I said, I, I've said I think Devon uh, Jalen Hurts can be the next Josh Allen, just basically with the tools that he has. I don't think he has the arm strength, but I still think that he can he can be comparable. And if that happens, the rest should be history for a uh, mega talented wide receiver like Devontae Smith. All right, I'll I'll start us off with this next division. I'll go over to the NFC. South, which is which is an interesting division. Obviously, you got the Bucks, and then you got everyone else, pretty much. But for me, I'm going to go to a team that's not going to really be competing this year, but a guy on this Atlanta Falcons team at the quarterback position in Desmond Ritter, who in his rookie season, I think is going to not only um, leap, in, leap in front of Marcus Mariota, but be the best rookie quarterback this year and show and prove to the Falcons that they do not need to look for a rookie quarterback in the 2023 draft. 
Desmond Ritter had a a decent um, preseason. I wouldn't say he lit the world on fire, but obviously him with him being a third round pick and carrying that Cincinnati team last year to great success. I mean, they were in a college football playoff, and for for that for a Cincinnati team that for the most part we don't see those types of teams make it that far. Um, and that was a lot of credit to Desmond Ritter and a lot of the guys on that Cincinnati team. Obviously, Alec Pierce being being one of those guys on Tommy's Indianapolis Colts. But, yes, Marcus Mariota is going to be the starter for this season. But, like I said, with the Falcons, most likely going to be picking very early in next year's draft. They're going to want to give Desmond Ritter a chance very, very early. And I think we see that um, within the first half of the season, especially if Marcus Mariota struggles, which I don't think anybody would be surprised if that were to happen. And – Yes, Desmond Ritter, I mean, doesn't have a ton of weapons to work with. I think if he gets into the offense, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be peppered a ton because we know how uh, rookie quarterbacks love to use their tight ends, and that goes in the fact that Kyle Pitts is really the only trustworthy option at the moment. Obviously, they have Drake London, who they drafted, and they brought in Brian Edwards. They have some other names, but no one that can really be depended on. I think Desmond Ritter is going to have a breakout season. Good pick. I think that J.C. Horn – well, actually, first let me ask you, do you think Mariota will start all year or do you think Ritter is going to come in at some point? I think it was going to come in within the first half of the season. Okay. They have to. Yeah, I think think so too. They got to let him develop. J.C. Horn is my pick for the NFC South. He was playing really, really – real well. And obviously he got hurt. I think this is going to be a comeback story for him. I don't think his career, it's just, he's too young for his career to end on such a horrible note after such a short career. I think J.C. Horn is going to, he's going to be that guy that they thought he was. Obviously he only played two games, but in those two games, he came away with an interception, a pass breakup, a couple of tackles, which you're not supposed to have a lot of tackles. He only had three um, as a corner. If you have tackles as a corner, that means you're getting beat. I bet Trayvon Diggs probably had 150 <laughs> tackles last season. But I think, yeah, J.C. Horn, I think he is – he's primed for a breakout this year, Jeff. I like that. I like that a lot. Great my, my fifth of six receivers on this list is going to be coming from the NFC North, and that's going to be Romeo Dubs. You're on the hype train. I'm basing it on nothing other than preseason hype and – Aaron Rodgers has high praises for him, and I think that's the most important thing because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't like his receivers, he basically blackballs them out of the offense where, I mean, Devontae Adams was one of those guys early in his career. He dropped a few passes. Rodgers hated him. That was it. Um, Obviously, he came back and, and fixed himself, but Romeo Dubs, if you're on a legendary quarterback's good side, that's a great place to start. I've heard more about Romeo Doves than their earlier on draft pick Christian Walker. I've heard more of him than Alan Lazard. I've heard more of him than any other wide receiver on this offense. And Romeo Doves, I mean, we don't even know who their wide receiver one is technically going to be yet. And I think he, if he could be Aaron Rodgers' wide receiver one, I think that would trump the rest of this list as far as actually breaking out goes because he went from a guy nobody knew two weeks ago to – potentially be a wide receiver one on Aaron Rodgers led offense. It's tough because we see year after year guys get overly hyped in the preseason end up flopping. We saw a lot. I think the big one last year was Marquez Callaway of the New Orleans Saints who had an outstanding preseason and it just never worked out. Um, But the thing about this Green Bay Packers offense, they're looking for someone to step up and I, I mean, I personally think it's going to be Alan Lazard just because of the, the connection that he has with Aaron Rodgers. But I th- also think that once Christian Watson, you know, gets back to full speed, that that could potentially hurt Romeo Dobbs. But he's, he's already slotted in to be, I think, the third or fourth wide receiver on this team. So um, I don't I don't hate the pick at all. I just don't like it. All right. That's fine with me. It's, you're wrong. So who is your NFC North pick. Yeah, so another another third year wide receiver and and really second 
uh, second full year. Uh, K.J. Osborne of the Minnesota Vikings. This is a guy that was drafted in the fifth round of the 2020 draft. Didn't play any receiver in, in his first year. He was only a punt and kick returner. Uh, but last year, we saw what he is capable of. On 82 targets, he had 50 receptions, 655 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think this upcoming season, um, I think he's going to be even better for this Minnesota Vikings team. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're bringing in Kevin O'Connell to be the Vikings head coach and bring in that offense that he used with the Rams. That's easily sustained through wide receivers, Cooper Cup, um, Robert Woods for a part of the season, Odell for a part of the season, and obviously also Van Jefferson as well. So even if Adam Thielen happens to stay healthy for the full season, which I don't think is going to be the case, I think there's easily enough of a role for K.J. Osborne to perform well. And based on the fact that I don't think Adam Thielen's going to be able to stay healthy, you slot K.J. Osborne into the number two role. Um, you're looking at, a you know, Kirk Cousins already seems to trust him a ton. And obviously Justin Jefferson's, Jefferson's going to be getting a bulk of those targets, but then a lot of them are also going to go to K.J. Osborne. And I think he's due for a, a spectacular season, again, hitting on that third-year wide receiver theme. Yeah, I I like the pick. I was I was debating between him um, and another target on this offense, and that's why I ultimately stayed away from both of them. Because you look at Justin Jefferson, who you know is going to be active, Adam Thielen, who has always been an incredible red zone target, and then you add Irv Smith Jr. and KJ Osborne to the mix, who quite a few people, myself included, think both of these guys are better than the numbers have shown throughout their career so far. Um, expecting both of them to break out isn't going to happen, especially with Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and even if Dalvin Cook's hurt, Alexander Madison. There's a lot of malice to feed on this offense, and that's why I stayed away from it ultimately. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm both of those guys because I have both of them on my fantasy dynasty league uh, that Jet and I both play in. But uh, – of them does it then that's a, that's a win for me as i'm in full rebuild mode to start out the absolutely um final division nfc west uh for me i'm going with the arizona cardinals on this one and that's going to be isaiah simmons um linebacker who again hitting on this seems like i'm hitting on a lot of fir former first round picks that have showed potential but not their full potential First round, eighth overall pick back in 2020. Wasn't really a full-time starter in his first season. Um, he played in 16 games, but he had only 54 tackles, two sacks, one interception. Then in 2021, he took a step forward. He played all 17 games, had over 100 tackles, um, one and a half sacks, forced four fumbles, one interception. He, he kind of started to show what was expected of him coming out of Clemson because the expectations coming for him coming out of Clemson were sky high. And now that his role is going to increase once again with Jordan Hicks going to the Vikings, it's going to be him and another young linebacker and David Collins who are going to be taking over the middle of the defense in the linebacker position. And, I mean, this goes all the way back to college with Isaiah Simmons's flexibility and versatility to be able to play all over the field and make big time plays. And I think that's going to be put on full display um, this season. Like he's gotten some comparisons to a Luke Keekley esque player as far as his physicality goes and his ability to be um, a high football IQ type player. And I think we could see a lot of that on display in this upcoming season with his athleticism and um, how he's able to take control on defense. Yeah, to round out this episode, I will also be choosing an Arizona Cardinals player, and that is Rondale Moore, my sixth of six receivers. Wow. Uh, Rondale Moore is Kyle Shanahan – or not Kyle Shanahan, excuse me. Um, who's the dick? Kings, Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury has come out and said that he likes the idea of Rondale Moore – in a Debo Samuel-esque role. And I think that those words alone means plenty enough to see him sliding into a breakout candidacy this season. And it's it, it's pretty simple, really. If this guy gets goal line touches as a running back, that's a breakout player. 
if this guy gets goal line touches as a receiver, that's a breakout player because he didn't get either of those things last year. Um, and Rondale Moore, who who really did show quite a few flashes last season, he played well. Honestly, I think he outplayed Christian Kirk. I think he's a better player than Christian Kirk. And 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 this is who the Cardinals kept, and that's who the Jaguars went and got. And like I say, quite often on the good team, the bad teams stay bad. They always find a way. Um, I think the Cardinals really nailed it with this draft pick, and I think they're going to really nail it because his body, body type both fill well into the role of being a big go-up-and-get-it-receiver as well as being a I'll-run-your-favorite-linebacker's-ass to the ground running back, and I think that it'll work out well for this offense and as well for him to go and get paid. It won't work well once he wants to get paid five years from now and he finds his whole body aching, but it's going to work for the time being. Breakout player. I like it. I think he wasn't necessarily used in the way that he should have been, and I think they're going to change that this year. Uh, with no DeAndre Hopkins, plenty of opportunities for him, for sure. Yeah, and uh, Jet, that rounds out the episode. No word of the day today because I'm looking at the word. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'll also say that we did start this episode about an hour ago. And yes, I think absolutely. That, I think that uh, these long times on our episodes may – skew some viewers away I, and, and it also affects my ability to edit these videos up because clitio only lets me use a certain amount of megabytes as it is and this this longer episodes doesn't let me is, that, the day of the is that is that clitio with a d or a t it's a d actually yeah. okay so it's 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 probably clido clitio clitio uh, clit, instead clitio. of video clitio all right um i'm gonna let you guys hear the word I'm going to listen to the word myself, but that's all you're getting today, Well, tease. Effulgence. Effulgence. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this installment of the 25-8 Sportscast. Next time you see us, Jet and I, you're going to have to plan something a little bit special, I guess, because uh, it is episode 50, or you could just plan something real special for episode 100. <laughs> uh, obviously, episode 1000, we are going to have Jet's favorite athlete of all time and Matt Prater on the show. So it's it's going to be a fun one. Episode 1000, stay tuned. I'm Tommy. That was Ched. This is the 25 Eight Sportscast. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. As always. No, I appreciate it more.